With six months to go before the 2024 Illinois primary, leaders across the state are talking about election security. This is Capital Cast from Capital News Illinois. I'm Jennifer Fuller. Election authorities from around Illinois got together this week to ask for the public's help in combating misinformation and disinformation about next year's elections. I talked with Illinois Board of Elections spokesman Matt Dietrich and Tazewell County Clerk John Ackerman. We began the conversation talking about the impetus for these public events this week. Ackerman says it comes from years of battling bad information that seems to keep coming up. Since 2016, uh, county clerks throughout the state of Illinois have seen unprecedented um, uh, attention focused on elections, on a lot of misinformation being placed out there. Um, First, it was that the Russians could hack the election or could manipulate votes. Then following the 2020 presidential election, it changed to uh, other entities hacking and changing votes. Um, So this is two presidential cycles in a row. Uh, Before we got to the third one, if you just keep doing the same thing, you'll get the same result. So we were hoping let's break that cycle. Let's uh, uh, go proactively, try to go out to the public, remind them that our offices are open and transparent. Um, and really stressing to them that our offices are all local. Um, one of the lines I was using was, uh, you know who we are. We're in the community. We, Our kids go to the same school. We shop at the same supermarket. We're actively involved in the communities we represent. So you know us. There's no mysterious person in Springfield that is counting these votes. Um, they're 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 all being handled here at a local level. And that should give people uh, confidence that they can come in and provide oversight by coming and observing the process, asking their questions, seeing how things operate at the local level. And if we build that trust one local entity at a time, we can reverse this trend uh, across the state. Matt, the State Board of Elections for some people is kind of this this entity that that is there, but it's not actively involved in local elections, so they're not really sure how it works. How's the Board of Elections involved in making sure that each contest is safe and secure? That's a good point, Jennifer, and one that, that I've tried to bring up is that in Illinois, as John said, um, all elections the, really, the heavy lifting is done by the local election authorities, your your county clerk or your municipal board of election. Um, they do all of the voter registration. They do all of the voter list maintenance on a daily basis. They are the ones who recruit the election judges. They rent the space for uh, polling places. They set them up. They are the ones who run the elections on election day, collect the ballots, tabulate them, send them to us. What we do is we provide administrative support to the local election authorities. Um, And this is for things like, uh, for example, the all of the election equipment that is used in Illinois. We certify those systems for use in the state of Illinois. And before they come to us, before any system can be tested and certified by us, they have to be certified by a voter system testing lab, which is accredited through the um, through the federal government. So that's one of the functions that we perform. And we also have uh, which, something that started in 2018 called the Cyber Navigator Program. 
And that's um, a, a nationally recognized um, program that was designed to make sure that every local election authority from the very smallest county clerk's office all the way up to the biggest, um, that all of them across the board have the the same video or the same uh, cybersecurity training and the same cybersecurity resources um, so that you don't have, you know, a lot of county clerk's offices only have a couple of employees. Um, and then on the other end of the scale, you have counties like Cook County, or you have the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners, or even, you know, to on a smaller scale, uh, Tazewell County, Sangamon County, Champaign County, middle-sized jurisdictions that had pretty decent cybersecurity resources. Um, but we wanted to make sure that everyone had the same training, everyone had access to upgrade their systems, and that most importantly, that everyone has a cyber navigator. Um, we, we have uh, teams of cyber navigators that are assigned to each election authority geographically throughout the state, and they do assessments of the security from, from top to bottom in the offices. And they also, John can probably explain this better than I can because he deals with them all the time. But the Cyber Navigator program, we receive uh, cybersecurity bulletins from the federal government, uh, from teams with within industry, from academics, through organizations like the, the EII-SAC is what we refer to it as. It's the Election Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center. So, um, and that's a consortium of government, private industry, academics, election authorities, and they share potential threats that may be coming down the road um, that, that we should be on the alert for. Um, the cyber navigators kind of help interpret the, the the bulletins that that come from that. So that's one of our big, big functions regarding election security. Um, and one of the uh, main goals of the Cyber Navigator program when it was first established was to make sure that all election authorities in Illinois communicate with us here at the State Board of Elections through the Illinois Century Network, which is a secure network that's used by state government. Um, and just to explain a little bit to the listeners, uh, one of our administrative functions is we maintain a statewide voter registration database and that's required under federal law. And every night, all 108 local election authorities send us their new voter information. They may have removed some voters from their voter rolls. They may have added voters. They may have had voters who changed addresses. All of that gets uploaded nightly to us through our office, and we keep that in a database. Um, we also have a system, uh, the Illinois Voter Registration System, IVRS. And what that is, is a tool that's available to all the local election authorities to transmit data to us and to complete their voter list maintenance tasks. Um, it contains a lot of tools in, the, in it for 
checking voter registrations, um, doing all kinds of other functions that, again, John's probably more well-versed on because he's got his hands on all of those levers, whereas, you know, we really, we we help them by maintaining the network, um, but but they actually do the, the work of the list maintenance. Those lists really get to that, I hear very commonly people saying, well, somebody voted where they shouldn't have, or somebody was able to vote twice or or things like that. I assume that those lists make that easier. But John, I know that some people still feel that there's a little bit of perhaps mystery around the whole voting process. Voting polling places are public places. Uh, you can go in and of course cast your ballot, but there are people working there between election judges and poll watchers that yes. really any person can do that job, right? And real quick, though, going to one part you hear, because I hear that frequently too, uh, somebody was able to vote twice. People need to understand there aren't people voting twice in the state of Illinois. Because one, the first thing we do following election is we upload all your vote history into uh, the IVRS system that Matt was talking about. So we have to justify which individual voted, not how you voted, but the fact that you did vote. We can't say that somebody voted four times. We have to justify how was this done and investigate when there are those anomalies where somebody was marked down. It happens occasionally, usually uh, overwhelming majority of the time. What it is is Bob Sr. and Bob Jr. both voted and they put them both on Bob Sr.'s. We can contact that voter, figure that out, correct that information. But the state just doesn't allow us to say, yeah, we let this guy vote six times. There can only be one vote per person. And that uploading of that voter history is the way that we check ourselves to make sure that that is taking place. Beyond that, we have to justify that vote history is open to the public so they can come in and inspect that. Hey, I didn't vote in this election. Well, then who is the person that claimed to be you? We can start that investigation. So these are examples of how our offices are open and transparent, that the public is engaged in being allowed to come in and inspect all of the materials. You mentioned at polling locations, election judges. We place Republican and Democrat election judges based on how that polling location voted in the last uh, in a, the last gubernatorial campaign. That's how we determine the amount of Republicans, the amount of Democrats. But there's always both parties present. They provide that oversight there. Poll watchers are available to be there to watch as well. Candidates and political organizations can assign poll watchers to watch those areas. So all of that, again, and those aren't just polling locations. Those are election offices as well, vote centers, uh, early vote. All of the entire process is fully open and transparent for the public if they wish to come in and see it. Some counties, like mine, I record the pretests that we take on all of the equipment so that the public can see that video and watch that pretest. The tabulation, the 5% retab afterwards that we're required to do, I call it the audit after the election, the sample audit. That I videotape and produce as well so that the public can see that entire process taking place. So there is all of these different avenues for the public to be engaged. At the media events we held, one of the things I joked about is You'll never hear any county clerk say, man, I'm overloaded with election judges. Don't give me any more. <laughs> You've got questions about the process. Don't be a don't sit at home. Get involved. Become a election judge. We all are looking for more of them. Sign up. Come and engage in the process. Be part of it. Um, if you want to be a poll watcher, we welcome them as well. But I always explain to people why just watch. Be part of the process. Be an election judge. If you're going to be there anyhow, might as well be 
part of the successful process rather than just observing from the sidelines. So uh, we, we all are looking for more uh, election judges. We all want to be fully transparent. We all want to answer the public's questions because that's how we continue to build trust in the Illinois election system is by allowing the public to come in and ask their questions, to discuss with us their concerns, and for us to be able to respond and answer and show them uh, exactly what's taking place. If I could throw out one more thing real quick. It is also vital that the state takes care of us in providing training and uh, resources that if we individually had to do it ourselves, some counties wouldn't be able to do that. By having that uh, equalized training, equalized opportunity for resources and everything spread out, it really allows all of us in the state to work together towards the same common goal. Uh, during a lot of those, we're having them at our conferences where we as clerks, all election authorities, all work together, all communicate about best practices and procedures on how to implement state legislation, on how to accomplish our, our similar task. So I think the public would be shocked to find just how much we across the state communicate with each other and how much we're helping and assisting each other out. Uh, and, and that's really um, a, a resource that the State Board of Elections provides us as that conduit for that to take place. So let's get to the segment of this that I'm going to call the the yeah, but segment of our of our conversation. And that's when you're talking to people out on the street about the security that is available. They always can pull out, yeah, but and pull out an example that perhaps supports their argument. Uh, Matt, I wanted to start with you. Uh, in the last several years, there have been headlines about security breaches um, in voter uh, systems or, or voting systems in Illinois and in other parts of the country. So what is your answer when someone says, oh, no, it's not secure, and they can point to those types of breaches? What you're referring to in Illinois actually happened in July of 2016. So that was seven years ago, but it might as well be, you know, 700 years ago, as far as we're concerned, because everything changed after that. And the Cyber Navigator program that I was talking about earlier is is a direct descendant of of that episode because when that happened um we changed everything about data handling um you know in the years since then we actually have an entire division here at the state board um of information security that is totally separate from our IT division, which handles our computers here internally that we use. It makes sure that we're safe um, and it's constantly scanning for any potential intrusions. And we haven't had anything, you know, that happened in 2016. We dealt with it and hasn't happened since then. Okay. One thing that we have repeated over and over again, uh, and this goes back you know, this is I'm going into my uh, my fourth election cycle, repeating this message. When people talk about hacking and interfering with election data, they're not talking about the the tabulators where votes are tabulated. They're not talking about changing election results. Any hacking that has been done and and the data breach that we had here dealt with a database that we maintain of voter registration, okay? Uh, the tabulators that you feed your ballot into after you 
cast your your ballot at your polling place or uh, that your mail ballot is fed into at your election authority office. Those are never connected to the internet. Those are not vulnerable to outside cyber attacks. Um, and this is a message that we we convey over and over and over again, and yet it continues to to come up. Well, you know, you'll hear, uh, yeah, but I read that in New Jersey they have these transmitters in their tabulators, and they well, no, that's New Jersey, and we don't have that in Illinois. Uh, and and in fact, um, if you go and watch the public testing of the tabulators, um, the cards that are used to program the tabulators are actually programmed on equipment that is not connected to the internet either. It, there's no exposure. The, the technical term is it's, it's all air-gapped. So that's one of the things that comes up every, all the time, constantly. And it, it really is, it, it's hard because we do talk about a lot about election security and you know obviously there's been a lot of talk about russian interference and the uh the u.s just department the u.s department of justice attributed the the data breach here in 2016 to a specific russian who was then charged in an indictment that came out in 2018 or yeah, i think it was, it was 2018 um because that's when that's when the world seemed to discover what had happened here two years previous. Um, when we talk about Russian interference, what we're really talking about uh, are uh, the kind of social media um, episodes that we saw in 2016 and that we continue to fight where there is deliberate disinformation about elections that's put out on social media. And we as election authorities have to try to combat that. So uh, when voters hear about election security, cybersecurity, uh, foreign interference, mainly what we're talking about there does not have to do with hacking that would change the results of elections. We're talking about other systems. And even we're talking about the social engineering of, of social media. One of my messages in 2020 and 2022 and it's you're going to hear it a lot in this upcoming election cycle is that we you have 108 election authorities in illinois and the state board of elections who are working full-time on our cybersecurity, maintaining cybersecurity. that is not something that voters should be worried about what voters should be worried about concerning elections is what they can control and what they can control is what they are seeing on their social media feeds and how they are reacting to that. You know, don't don't like or share uh, posts that seem to say things that may not be true. Check with us. Come to our website, or you know, you can you can email anyone here at the state board of elections. You can email your local election authority if you have a question about something that you're seeing in social media that doesn't sound quite right. Again, we're you know talking about things like Sharpie Gate. It's something that it started off in Arizona with uh, a couple of Facebook posts, and then suddenly it exploded. And 
we we had to do damage control here. We were trying to put out on our own social media that no sharpies are the recommended writing implement to use with certain voting systems. Those types of things, you know, don't just take it at face value on Facebook or or Twitter or wherever you're seeing it. John, I'm sure that you deal a lot with this this sort of misinformation and and disinformation. Do you have people that actually reach out to your office and say, "Hey, I saw this. What's going on?" We do. And and what I was going to mention is the difficulty of this is that we are attempting to have a national conversation concerning elections. And elections are conducted at the state level. It's part of states' rights. So you've got every state doing something different. So yes, we're constantly barraged with, I read this about what's taking place in Pennsylvania, or like Matt brought up, what's taking place in New Jersey. They may be there. I'm not an election expert on Pennsylvania or on New Jersey, um, but that can't take place in Illinois. And this is why, and then I explain. But when we try to have that national dialogue, it's impossible because of all of the different ways that we conduct our elections and in each state deciding on how to do it themselves. Um, and I support that kind of system because, you know, in just in the state of Illinois, like Matt said, we have 108 different jurisdictions that are conducting elections. While we all follow the same legislation and the same rules, we all have different vendors, different equipment, different ways that we do those, that we accomplish that goal. That provides us with greater security because if you were an agent that wanted to disrupt our elections, you would have to figure out 108 different ways to do it. You couldn't do it the exact same way in every county. Um, that also happens in the nation. There are every state differently, so you'd have to go through each state and approach it in a different way to accomplish your goal of throwing off everything, of manipulating the entire bag. Um, so it provides us that diversity, provides a strength, but it also hurts then that national dialogue of trying to have one conversation. That's where, again, Matt, like Matt said, we're really asking the public, come to your local election authority, ask us, see for yourself how it's done. In my county, I'll tear my tabulators apart so that you can take a look at them and see that there is no receiver or transmitter. If you don't have a receiver or transmission equipment, you can't upload anything to it. You can't hack that equipment. It really is dumb. Um, so that gives them the opportunity firsthand to see that and to experience that for themselves. Um, and we're willing to take that time to prove to every voter one at a time what's available. Uh, that's what we're asking for. Elections are procedural, but they are also political animals. Is it difficult for you as an elected official to see some of that disinformation or misinformation shared among party leaders even saying, you know, this this was fraudulent or this was wrong or, or things like that. Do you have a hard time separating yourself from party leadership when they do things like that? It can be difficult. Um, I think one I'd point out on our, if you notice our events that we've hosted with the uh, 28 other entities that have signed on, you have Republicans, Democrats, nonpartisan appointed officials. So we are crossing all lines with, with these events where we're engaging the public. A statement, a united statement like this by so many county clerks across the state, I don't think has been done, at least not for the last 20 years. It really is a rare uh, achievement that, we, that we've been working on here. Um, 2016, we talked about that. That was the Democrats complaining about the re election results. 2020, it was the Republicans. It's the same conversation, the same dialogue. It's just different 
versions of it from different individuals. Um, so we have combated it on both sides. Um, whenever I hear it, regardless, we have a conversation. Um, it, it's that proactive approach of trying to engage rather than retreat, of uh, trying to bring the facts forward rather than keeping them to myself. Um, that's the attitude I've ad adopted in my county, and it's spilled over into the neighboring counties as well, of just trying our best to be proactive and engaged in the public with what those discussions, what that dialogue really is. Um, so yeah, regardless of political affiliation, political party, um, this conversation is not limited to one or the other. It is a symptom of both. And it is a conversation we need to have with both uh, and approach proactively that way. The real problem with all the disinformation that we've heard and, and the real danger, and I said this, um, you know, I, I said this four years ago, Introducing this, this the, the the allegation that an, that the election was rigged and that there was widespread fraud is really dangerous. You know, I said it then, and it's only you know that's really come true because what happened was a lot of voters needlessly now um, doubt the integrity of of the election system and. That was the that was the the great thing about the American election system was Americans trusted it, and um, all because now of you know made up stuff, all types of different disinformation, um, this this message about massive voter fraud, um, th that trust has been eroded, and and we want to get that trust back. That's Illinois Board of Elections spokesman Matt Dietrich, who joined Tazewell County Clerk John Ackerman in talking with me about election security six months ahead of the 2024 primary in Illinois. You can find our reporting on this at CapitalNewsIllinois.com and more information about elections at elections.il.gov. In addition, the Board of Elections utilizes social media to share information. They're at Illinois SBE on most platforms. For Capital Cast, I'm Jennifer Fuller.